Good afternoon, church family. It is refreshing to see your faces. It makes me smile. I can't help it. And I hope you are smiling too this afternoon under your mask. And if this is your first time back since the start of the pandemic, Brother Christian, Sister Christian, welcome. It is great to be worshiping with you again. Our text this morning comes from Ephesians chapter 5, verses 15 through 21. As it's our third week in chapter 5, or our third week walking through the concept of being imitators of God. And I put it that way because in week one we learned that if we want to imitate God, then we must walk in love. We must follow the pattern of Christ and love others, even our enemies, in an unconditional, self-sacrificial way, expecting absolutely nothing in return. And in week two, we learned if we want to imitate God, then we must walk in the light, and that our lives must reject the ways of darkness or the ways of the sons of disobedience and instead project rays of goodness and righteousness and truth which will convict the world of their sin and by God's grace lead people into the light. But today we see, and it's our last way to walk, if you will, if we want to imitate God, We must be careful to walk wisely. Easier said than done, right? I read a joke this week about a rich man who had bought a fancy new car and was eager to show it off to his colleagues. When an 18-wheeler came out of nowhere and took off the driver's side door with him standing right next to it. No, he screamed, because he knew no matter how good his mechanic tried to fix it, it would never be the same. Finally, a cop came by, and the rich man ran up to him, saying, My Bentley door was just ruined by some foolish driver. The policeman replied, How can you be concerned about your possessions at a time like this? I bet you didn't even notice that your left arm was taken off by the truck as well. Instantly, the rich man looked down at his side and exclaimed, My Rolex! How easy it is in our materialistic or possession-driven world to walk not as wise, but as unwise. Which takes us to our thesis statement today, or our sermon's summary statement, if you will. Our thesis statement is this. Be careful to walk wisely, Christian, filling yourself not with wine in the ways of the world, but instead with the Holy Spirit. Be careful to walk wisely, Christian, filling yourself not with wine in the ways of the world, but instead with the Holy Spirit. Our text today is Ephesians chapter 5, and we'll be in verses 15 through 21. So whether you are listening online or whether you are here with us today, let me highly recommend you following along with the text today. Again, we are in Ephesians chapter 5, verses 15 through 21. The Apostle Paul writes, Look carefully then how you walk, 
not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of the time because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is, and do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit, addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart, giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you, thank you, thank you for the opportunity we have to gather today and worship you. Lord, the windows are open, the fans are blowing, and your children have gathered to give you all the praise as the God who pulled us out of darkness and has brought us into the light. Lord, we thank you for that grace. We thank you for the accomplishment of your Son, Jesus Christ. And Lord, we have been called today to be careful to walk wisely in this world. Help us, Lord, to flee from the things of the darkness and to walk boldly, to walk carefully, to walk confidently along the narrow path, rejecting whatever the world has to say until we see you, our Lord and our Savior. Father, I pray for wisdom today. I pray that you help my lips and my stammering tongue. Lord, give me the words to speak. Lord, I pray for the dear congregants here this afternoon. Soften their hearts, open their eyes, open their ears to the beauty of your word, I pray. And let us leave here today walking carefully as the children of God. In Jesus' name, amen. Our first of two points this afternoon is this. Point number one, be careful to walk wisely, Christian, following the will of the Lord. Be careful to walk wisely, Christian, following the will of the Lord. Verses 15 through 17. Paul writes, look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of the time because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. Paul opens in verse 15 with, look carefully then how you walk, or as the KJV translates it, walk circumspectly which means the Christian is to walk with exactness, with precision, with accuracy. Because to walk as a Christian in a dark and depraved and fallen world is to walk as carefully as a tightrope walker suspended some 200 feet in the air. Because similarly to the tightrope walker, one foolish or one clumsy step in this depraved and fallen world from the Christian, it could lead to disaster. Because there are temptations and distractions all of around us. Sinful thoughts waiting to jump out and cause us to lose focus on the task at hand. Pleasures trying to lure us away from the narrow path and onto a path that leads to destruction and death. 
So with those dangers out there, church, it makes sense for Paul to say, Christian, be careful walking through this sinful world. And verse 15, walk not as unwise, but as wise. And you might be thinking, okay, got it. The world is sinful, it is dangerous, and we must be careful to walk wisely. But what exactly does that look like? And that is a great question. So God in his mercy has given us the Proverbs. And the Proverbs, they have a lot to say about wisdom. Proverbs 9.10 says that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And Proverbs 2.6 says the Lord gives wisdom. From his mouth comes knowledge and understanding. So if the Lord gives wisdom and fearing the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, then wisdom must revolve around listening to and following and walking in the ways of the Lord or in the will of the Lord. Or verse 10 from last week, discerning what is pleasing to the Lord. And verse 11, taking no part in the unfruitful works of darkness. Thus, quite simply, to be wise is not just to have head knowledge, but it's to have the ability to apply God's word so we as Christians can live faithfully as the children of God, no matter what the darkened, depraved fools of this world say or think about us. Or you can think of it this way. Jesus said this in Matthew chapter 7. He says, everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain fell, and the floods came, and the winds blew and beat on that house, but it did not fall because it had been founded on the rock. And everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. And the rain fell, and the floods came, and the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell, and great was the fall of it. The unwise build their lives. They walk in the way of culture and of fads and in the new social norms of this world developed seemingly weakly. Whereas the wise, the children of God, they build their lives and they walk in the ways of God, submitting to the word of God and applying them faithfully, which allows them then, verse 16, to make the best use of the time because the days are evil. Verse 16, to make the best use of the time because the days are evil. Or again, as the KJV puts it, redeeming the time because the days are evil. Now make no mistake, brother Christian, sister Christian, the times we are living in, they are evil. There were 7,100 hate crimes committed in America last year. There were over 5 million thefts in America last year. There were over 1.2 million violent crimes committed last year in America. The days are evil. And Christian, we are living in them. So what do we do? That is always the question. What do we do? Do we as Christians run and hide and live in terror? Do we buy a remote island, live in a cave, stay inside all day? 
No, brother Christian, sister Christian, even though we are not of the world, we are still part of the world. We are still in the world. And just as the Apostle Paul called us not to be partakers with them, he also called us to expose sin and darkness with our godly lives so that those caught up in sin and darkness can see their wickedness and by God's grace be transformed from darkness into the light. Church, the harvest is plentiful in this dark world, but the laborers, they are few, Matthew 9. And because of that, Harold Honer said, believers are commanded not to let the God of this age, Satan, intimidate them, but to take advantage of every opportunity in this immoral environment to live a life that pleases God. Christian, do not be intimidated by the God of this depraved world or by the depraved culture. Instead, stand faithful in the Lord. I read this illustration titled, Faithful Amidst Chaos or Death. Not sure who the author was, but I thought it was quite applicable for the sermon today. And it reads... Some of us are familiar with the fate of the city of Pompeii on the Bay of Naples in Italy. It was destroyed in 79 AD. During recent years, the ruins of that city have been excavated. There are numerous evidences that many tried to flee from the volcanic catastrophe, but one man did not. At the city gate was found a skeleton of a Roman guard. There he had remained, both hands clutched about his weapon, while the very ground on which he stood trembled, and the ashes of the volcano were gradually burying him. After these many centuries, he was found steady at his post, ready for duty. So you must perform the task that Jesus has given you. Yes, be so faithful that even though the world goes to pieces under your feet, you will still be found striving to please God. Therefore, church, verse 17, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. The foolish The unwise, they haphazardly walk in their own will, in the ways of personal lust, personal greed, idolatry, and impurity, not heeding the warnings of Christ, but building their lives on sand. And when the storm came, great was the fall, because the ways of this world, they only lead to the wrath of God. But the wise, those who understand what the will of the Lord is and hear and submit to and apply God's inerrant word to their lives, they take no part in the unfruitful works of darkness and walk wisely in God-pleasing, gospel-proclaiming ways. And even in the face of persecution, they build their house on the rock of Jesus Christ. Thus the wise can cry out as one, on Christ the solid rock I stand, all other ground 
ground is sinking sand. All other ground is sinking sand. You want to be wise, brother Christian, sister Christian, understand what the will of the Lord is through his word. And then no matter what the shaky, insecure, money-hungry, idol-worshiping world around you does, strive to please God. And that, brother Christian, that, sister Christian, is wisdom in the Lord. Okay, but how do we do this? Because we know we are to walk wisely. We know walking wisely is understanding and following the will of the Lord as revealed in the Scriptures. But how do we do this? What steps can we take? Because we want to build our lives on the foundation of Jesus Christ. We want to walk carefully and wisely in the precepts of God. We want lives that are pleasing to God, but how? Which brings us to point number two. Christian, fill yourself not with wine, but instead with the Holy Spirit. Christian, fill yourself not with wine, but instead with the Holy Spirit. Verses 18 through 21. It says, and do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit, addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart, giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting one to another out of reverence for Christ. So how do we walk wisely and live a life that is pleasing to God? Verse 18, don't get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery. Seems like a pretty good place to start, right? But Paul here is not just whimsically throwing out some random sin that he has a certain grudge against. Now, we can all agree drunkenness, it is sinful. It's foolish, and it's ungodly behavior. Paul, in his letter to the Galatians, calls drunkenness a work of the flesh. And he says to the church in Corinth, drunkards will not inherit the kingdom of God. So we can all agree here, drunkenness is sinful behavior. But Paul uses the sin of drunkenness here to contradict it with or juxtapose it with being filled with the Spirit. And it's an obvious picture that Paul is painting because we have all seen this. When someone is filled with too much wine or who is drunk, it is obvious because there is often slurred speech, there is drowsiness, there's a lack of coordination, a lack of balance, and always there's impaired judgment. So if we as Christians want to walk wisely, if we want to stay away from sin, if we want to discern the will of God and do what is pleasing in God's sight, filling ourselves with wine and drunkenness, which impairs our judgments to the thing of God, Paul says not only is it sinful, but it is a terrible idea. Thus instead we must be filled, verse 18, with the Spirit. But what exactly does that mean, to be filled with the Spirit? Because since we are already believers, doesn't the Spirit already dwell in us? Thus, how can we be filled with, 
by what is already inside of us. Now, Paul already wrote in Ephesians chapter 3 that Christians must know the love of Christ so we can be filled in the fullness of God. In Ephesians 4, he wrote that Christians must mature to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Thus, what Paul seems to have in mind here is that our lives, they shouldn't be filled by wine but instead filled with the fullness of our God. Or as Klein Snodgrass noted, whereas the Holy Spirit is the controlling influence, motivating and directing our lives. And how do we do this? Be filled with the Holy Spirit and have the Spirit control every aspect of our lives? Romans 8 says, For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh. But those who live according to the Spirit set their minds on the things of the Spirit. For if we live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. Jesus said in Matthew 16, If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. So to be filled with the Spirit or controlled by the Spirit, church, is simply to die to self, to put to death the deeds of the flesh, and to set our minds on the things of the Spirit, to see all that we have, all of our money, all of our skills, all of our words, and all of our acts as resources that can be used to glorify God. It is having He, Christ, must increase, I must decrease at the forefront of our minds. It is loving God. God's word and having the word of Christ dwell richly in us, Colossians 3, enlightening us, encouraging us, sharpening us, and empowering us to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which we have been called. That is what it looks like to be filled with the Spirit, to have all of our actions, all of our thoughts, all of our deeds guided by the Spirit. But church, if we are filled with the Holy Spirit it will also be obvious to the world. If we are filled with the Holy Spirit, it will also be obvious to the world. So just as stumbling and slurred speech and impaired judgment make it obvious that someone is drunk, what distinctives make it obvious to the world that we as Christians are filled with the Spirit? And Paul offers his thoughts here in verses 19 through 21. So distinctive number one, if you are filled with the Holy Spirit, you know what comes pouring out of you? Songs of praise. Verse 19. It says, addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart. Now, there's some debate here as to exactly what psalms and hymns and spiritual songs mean and how they differ from each other. But what we do know is this. Number one, there are a variety of ways Christians can appropriately worship God via song. And number two, 
when we gather for corporate worship and when we sing together and address each other via song, we actually minister to each other as we together, as one, affirm God's mercy, affirm God's faithfulness, and affirm His abounding steadfast love. And we also vertically worship Him together. We worship Him together, church, and all of this takes place when the saints gather for corporate worship. We minister and encourage to each other, and we praise our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. That's because of all this, a spirit-filled church cannot sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs sluggishly or tediously or with their hands in their pockets or bored while they're looking around for something more interesting to stare at. No, because to be filled with the Holy Spirit is verse 19, to worship with all of your heart. It is to worship with your soul and with everything that makes up your ethos and your being, praising him as the God of the universe who saved you out of darkness. And when you sing to that God, no longer with a heart of stone, but with a heart that is on fire for Christ, spirit-filled Christians, they sing joyfully, they sing confidently, and they sing as an act of worship to their Savior. And by this, I can promise you, the world will know that you are filled with the Spirit. Which brings us to distinctive number two. If you are filled with the Holy Spirit, you know what comes pouring out of you? Thankfulness. Verse 20. It says, giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, Paul might have corporate prayer in mind here, being that we just came off a point related to corporate song or corporate worship. But thanksgiving, it is an act. It is an attitude that must flow into every sphere sphere of our lives. For example, the author W.G. Pollock shared that the hymn, Now Thank We All Our God, was written by Martin Rinkert, who was born in Eilenburg, Germany in April of 1586, 40 years after Martin Luther's death. His hymn, Now Thank We All Our God, is considered by many as the second German hymn of all time behind the Reformer's magnificent A Mighty Fortress is Our God. But what many don't know is that Rinkert was a minister of the gospel in Eilenburg during the terrible Thirty Years' War. Eilenburg was a walled town and therefore a place of refuge for thousands who had lost everything in the war. The overcrowded condition of the city brought on famine and pestilence. At times, Rinkert was the only minister in the city to serve thousands suffering from hunger and death. Often he read the burial service for some 40 to 50 people a day. Altogether, 8,000 people died in Eilenburg during this time, including Rinkert's wife. At the same time, Rinkert suffered several financial losses and failed to receive proper consideration at the hands of authorities of the city in spite of his unselfish and tireless efforts on behalf of the sick and dying. And yet he wrote during this time that wonderful hymn of praise and thanksgiving to the Lord. 
So church, how is this possible? To be thankful and giving thanks always to God, even in the midst of death and famine and pestilence and suffering and financial loss? The answer, we must keep in mind what God has already done for us in Jesus Christ. We must keep in mind that God has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. We must keep in mind that God chose us in him before the foundation of the world. We must keep in mind that God in love predestined us for adoption to himself as sons through Jesus Christ according to the purpose of his will. We must keep in mind that God being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he has loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, he made us alive with Christ. By Christ, you have been saved. And church, we must keep in mind what God has already done for us through Christ. And when we do that, let me tell you, being thankful in all situations, it comes naturally. Thus, keep your mind on the accomplishment of Christ, and I can promise you, the Spirit will overflow your heart with thankfulness. And by that, the world will know that you are filled with the Spirit. And finally, distinctive number three. If you are filled with the Holy Spirit, you know what comes pouring out of you? Submission to one another. Submission to one another. Now, we are going to be talking a lot about submission during the next couple weeks. But before we get into specific examples, Paul makes the claim that the Spirit-filled Christian, verse 21, submits to one another out of reverence for Christ. That the Spirit-filled Christian submits to one another out of their reverence for Christ. Now this can be a tough one for people to accept. Because we hear the word submit, and instantly we think, inferior. We think weakness. We think second rate. We think lesser. We think of the word instantly in those negative terms. But literally, the Greek word translated submit means to arrange under. So what Paul has in mind here is that the spirit-filled Christian is willing to arrange themselves under others for the good of others or for the good of the church body. But practically, to be honest, we don't often see that played out. In fact, we often see the exact opposite. As John Stott said, sometimes a person who claims to be filled with the Spirit actually becomes aggressive, self-assertive, and brash. But here is the thing with submission. You can't fool anyone. It is kind of where the rubber meets the road. Theologian Mark Dunnigan put it this way. He said that some people will say that they are filled with the Holy Spirit and sing as loud as they can, and they wave their arms, and they might be able to fool some people. Some people will say that they're filled with the Holy Spirit and pray flowery prayers of thanksgiving in public, and they might be able to fool some people. But if you aren't willing to put your preferences aside for the needs of your brother in Christ, are you really filled with the Holy Spirit? 
if you aren't willing to see your own interest as secondary for the good of the church body, are you really filled with the Holy Spirit? Personally, if I am not willing to receive feedback and listen to congregants for the good of this dear flock, am I really filled with the Holy Spirit? Because here is the thing. Submission here, it is not just directed at church members who only come on Sunday. Submission here, it is not just directed at church members who only serve a little bit. Submission here is not just for church members who aren't in leadership. Submission here, it is for everyone. Submission to one another here, it is for pastors, it is for elders, it is for deacon. Submission to one another here, it is for committee members and Sunday school teachers and worship leaders. Submission to one another here is for church members and church cleaners and church counters. Thus, as brothers and sisters in Christ, we are called to put our preferences and pride and pretensions aside and to humbly submit and serve and build each other up. Church, can you imagine what it would look like if we all just fought tooth and nail for all of our preferences and all of our propensities? We would look like a WWF match, not a spirit-filled church. Thus, instead, we are called to lovingly and willingly and humbly submit to each other, verse 21, out of our reverence, out of our adoration, out of our devotion to Jesus Christ. Therefore, church, do nothing from rivalry or with conceit. But in humility, count others as more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interest, but also the interest of others. Church, count others as more significant than yourselves. Count others as more significant than yourselves. Do that, and I promise you, it will be so radical, the world will know that you are filled with the Holy Spirit. So as we close today, I'd first like to begin with the non-Christian listening. First off, non-Christian, thank you for joining us today, or listening to us today. It is truly an honor to share God's word with you. But I do realize that the last half of the sermon may have sounded foreign to you. I mean singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs in the Lord, giving thanks in all situations, even amidst job loss and a pandemic and other stressors, submitting to others and counting others more significant than yourself out of your reverence for Christ. Thus you might be listening and sitting there wondering, how can that even be possible? And the simple answer is this. Submit to Jesus Christ. Because non-Christian, when you submit yourself, when you humble yourself and trust in the work of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, I can promise you songs of joy, thanksgiving, and submission to others will naturally come pouring out of you. Because it is then and only then that you realize that God incarnate, Jesus Christ, came into the world and he did what you could never do. He lived a life among sinners and yet he never sinned. And as the one who fulfilled 
the law for you. Jesus Christ also willingly died for you. You see, non-Christian, Jesus Christ gave himself up as a sacrifice for the sins of his people. He bore the wrath reserved for you and for me, and he was crucified, and he died in our place on a cross, atoning for our sins. And three days later, as proof, as the receipt that he, Jesus Christ, was truly God and appeased the wrath of God the Father toward the sins of his children, Jesus Christ, he was raised from the dead, defeating sin and defeating death for those who believe. Thus, non-Christian, let today be the day that you repent of your sins and you trust in Jesus Christ and Christ alone as the only one who can forgive you of your sins and the only one who can reconcile you back to God forever. Let today be the day that you humble yourself before God and cry out, Jesus Christ is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised Jesus Christ from the dead for the atonement of your sins, and you will be saved, and you will learn how natural it is to sing joyfully to God, to be thankful to God, and to submit to others out of your reverence to God, since he took you out of darkness and made you alive in him now and forevermore. And to the Christian that is listening, as we read earlier, we as the children of God, as imitators of God, are called to walk carefully. We are called to walk wisely and to make the best use of our time making it obvious to the world that we, as the children of God, are filled with the Holy Spirit. But you may be sitting there thinking, well, I don't find myself real joyful when I sing. In fact, I'm kind of glad we're only doing three songs today because at times it gets kind of boring. Or thankful always. I mean, I've been stuck inside for the last 12 weeks without a job. No, I do not have a real thankful heart. Or submissive. I mean, I can't think of the last time I willingly put my preferences aside for the good of others without a huge fight or without an argument. Is this you this afternoon, Brother Christian, Sister Christian? And are you not liking your thoughts? or not liking your feelings and wanting to grow and be filled with the Spirit, but do not know how, then lovingly, let me ask you this. What are you filling your body with? What are you filling your mind with? What are you filling your heart with? Are you filling it with wine or alcohol? Are you filling it with greed and idolatry? Are you filling it with sexual immorality or impurity? Or are you filling it with the very word of God? Are you filling it with psalms and hymns and spiritual songs? Are you filling it with prayer and meditation and praise? You see, what we fill our bodies with, what we fill our minds with, what we fill our hearts with is a clear indication of what will come out of us. Church, if we eat donuts all day, we are not going to run real fast. If we drink wine all day, we won't think real clearly. If we smoke cigars all day, we won't breathe real deeply. So 
if you want to know why there is no joy in your songs of worship, no thanksgiving on your lips of prayer, and no submission in your heart of pride, then evaluate what is going into your fuel tank. Are you asking the Holy Spirit to fill it daily, or are you asking the world to fill it for you instead? Thus it is my prayer that we as a church body flee from filling our bodies with wine and greed and idolatry and with the things of the world. We have been called to walk carefully and wisely in this dark world, so help us to be mindful of what we put in our hearts. Wine is a mocker, strong drink, a brawler, and whoever is led astray by it is not wise. So, Father, keep us from filling ourselves up with wine and with the ways of the world. Instead, just as the disciples were continually filled with joy and with the Holy Spirit, I pray that be the case for us. Help us to be joyful as we study your word. Help us to be joyful praising you in song. And help us to be joyful meditating on the accomplishment of Jesus Christ. And as the proverb said, folly is joy to the one who lacks judgment, but a man of understanding walks a straight path. Lord, keep us full of your understanding and walking carefully and wisely and boldly on your straight and narrow path until we, by your grace, reach our final destination, glory with our Savior. Lord, keep us walking in ways that are pleasing to you now until we reach glory. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for Jesus Christ. We thank you for his accomplishment on the cross. We thank you that you have called us out of darkness and into light. And Lord, I pray now that being lights in this world, we are careful to walk wisely. Father, let us not run foolishly to the ways of the world, but let us walk the straight and narrow path, knowing that whatever we face in this world, it is worth it because we will see you and glory in the end. Father, strengthen us for this task, I pray, and let us be bold in how we share this message with the world. To you be the glory forever and ever. Amen. Why don't we all stand and we'll sing our final song together.